Hello and welcome to Freeball, the volleyball podcast. My name is Louis Lett and for the first time ever we have Sam Dunbavin, England international beach volleyball player. Welcome into Freeball as the co-host for today. Welcome Sam. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure to be here. Thanks for inviting me on. Yes, great to have you after all the exciting things that you've been doing recently, travelling around Australia, playing volleyball, now back in the UK for some summer training as well. Yep, um, it's a pleasure to be back here um, working in Crystal Palace, uh, working alongside Louis and his, uh, with his coaching hat on. Um, and yeah, hopefully playing a few more World Tour events um, and playing on the UK Tour as well. So yeah, exciting times ahead. I hope so. We're also going to talk about some snow volleyball in just a moment. But we're saying before the show started that there wasn't much going on in the world of volleyball. And then actually, like we spoke about it, and there's been heaps. Yeah, um, we we thought, oh, what are we? What on earth are we going to talk about this week? And then we looked at it, and um, there's news from snow volleyball. There's some news from uh, indoor stuff. Some big. Um, big transfers, some big uh, kind of coach signings. Um, and then we're also going to talk a little bit about upcoming beach stuff. Um, I know all of the, the top teams have been over in Spain training and they're all looking at um, coming events. Um, and there's going to be some really big battles as, um, you know, throughout the year, we're looking at kind of uh, Olympic qualification. So For sure, there's so much going on. But first, let's talk Jiba. So the three-time world champion, Olympic gold medalist, Heaps of other awards, obviously best Brazilian player ever, best maybe world player ever, graced the shores of London for, well, maybe one day only, maybe he comes back for IBB Polonia as they won the Super League title in England, their dominating proceedings. But it was a great day, Jiba playing in, in London, a thousand fans, you were there, he, he did a great job, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, what a, uh, you know, he was just on and off the court, he was a real superstar, um, he had time for everyone. Um, he made sure he stuck around after the game, took lots of pictures, he signed autographs. Um, just, you know, what blew me away was what a great ambassador for the sport he was. He, he had uh, a really professional answer to everything, very inspiring. And I know um, him being here has kind of completed a lot of people's dreams uh, in that day. So um, big thanks to Jeep for coming along. Yeah, thanks. He was a great guest as well on the show. But when he was playing, he was just always giving. So he was on the side and didn't matter. At one time, he got a time delay. He got a booking because he was running on the court trying to help out the wing spiker make better decisions or be in a better position. And that really summed Jeeber up. Like he wasn't, the whole day was about him, but he was about everybody else. Mm. I think that was a sign yeah, of Yeah, I mean, it was, it was obvious from the sideline that he really wasn't playing for him. He was playing for the other guys. Even in the warm up, he was um, really trying to spread some of his expertise. Um, probably playing with one of the younger guys on the on the team who was warming up with him and making sure that he gave him some tips. And then during the game, whenever they won a point, whether they lost it or or, or won it, they, he was always just giving a tip to the guy, you know, uh, and trying to really spread some wisdom, which was amazing to see. Yeah, perfect. Sometimes they say, don't meet your heroes. But in Jeeva's case, you can meet Jeeva. He's, he's, he's a great guy. He's going to hopefully be back. Again, Snow Volleyball, Sam, enlighten us. Snow Volleyball has been kicking off the last few weeks with stops in Austria yeah. and in Italy as well. New format of the game, 3v3, some indoor, some beach. It's obviously very difficult, but the McKibben brothers, who are big personalities in this sport, turned up and they played good volleyball. So the McKibbins played twice, uh, once on the CV tour, but it actually that one got cancelled in Pratinovza in Italy, mm. but they won on one, the recreational side of that, and then they won the second event that they, they entered as well, which was an incredible final. Yep, um, so they I think they went down um, the first set, um, so sets in uh, snow volleyball are to 15, um, they went down, 
um, and then come back, came back to win um, 2-1 against uh, Russia in the final. Um, so a big result for them, and, and, I, and I think they've been great ambassadors for the sport over in the US. Um, in terms of, you know, they've got a great following, um, they took some really good players along with them, uh, and they showed the guys over there that it really is a sport to, um, to to make people sit up and take notice. Yeah, Troy Fields was almost jumping over the mountain. He was getting out the snow. Yeah. You've played snow volleyball before. Difficult? Um, it's, um, you know, the, the rules are very similar to beach. Um, there are a few uh, key differences, I guess. The block um, touch counts now as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, uh, you've got to wear football boots, um, which is kind of weird when you get there. Um, uh, it's really... it's even more condition dependent than beach because obviously you've got high winds up on the top of the mountain sometimes uh, and then when it gets um, sunny uh, the snow starts to get a little bit slushy so um, it, it becomes even harder to move and then obviously there's the the point where you're, you're just slipping everywhere so I think that could be um, part of the reason why they've changed it from two to three aside yep. um, because I think certainly when I played it and it was two aside then it was really quite hard to get in and set because you're sliding one way and trying to set the ball the other way. Interesting. Um, yeah, so I think I think that could well have been in part of the reasoning why they've changed it to have a to have a more stable player in a setting position. Yeah, and I think it's probably um, you know watching some of the video, it's really improved the quality of the volleyball. So um, I think that was a really good move for sure. Excellent. Charmen coming away two weeks time. Uh, it's one that I'm travelling to, going all the way to China for four days for the four star, and it's going to be interesting because there's been a bit of a lull in. Four and five stars for, mm. for a while. Fort Lauderdale was cancelled. Obviously had Doha. The Grimalts are on great form actually after Doha. They've won the opening two um, FIVBs of the year. Sydney and Doha as well, beating Phil Dalhauser and Nick Lucena. Charmaine has got such a great entry list. Yeah. Um, I mean, you name a big team, um, they're probably there. Um, we've got uh, at the top of the list we've got Marlon Soren back which I think a lot of people are excited to see yeah Anders um, has been injured for, for some time yeah it? so it's going to be interesting to see I mean you had a chat with him the other week um, how exactly he's coping after his injury um, I think he probably admitted himself that he's probably not going to be on, on top form um, but we'll see whether his top form is still good enough to um, to you know take first or a medal um, certainly judging on last season's form you wouldn't bet against him um, but then you look down the list and you're looking at, you know, the, the guys on form, as we mentioned, uh, the guys from Chile, um, the Grimmel brothers, uh, Grimmel cousins, sorry. Um, they're, they're certainly the team to beat in terms of form. But, you know, there's so many good teams. Um, again, you really wouldn't, you'd look at Herrera Cavira, you think they're going to get to a semi-final. Yeah, evergreen. Um, you know, they're always competitive. Samuel Schmedins are there. Um, and uh, interestingly, um, Rossi and Karambula, another another form team, having um, got to the final in the three star in Sydney, they've been granted a wild card into yeah, the main draw, which is great. And then in the women's side, is super well connected as well. Um, the who's who's of yeah, beach volleyball heading out to Charmin. Any news on the women's? Um, again, I mean, you know, you can tell that this is starting to count for Olympic points um, because you know the the big teams are are really um, are really heading to the party. Yeah, um, sure. you know, you've got the the, the Canadian team um, in in there. Um, yeah, uh, you've got the Canadian team in there. Um, so Pavan and Melissa, uh, M- Melissa Humana Paredes, um, and then you've got. I mean, it's rammed out with quality Brazilian teams. Um, you know, you've got all three of the top teams in there um, in, in, in the main draw. Um, and again, 
you know the, there's some really good USA talent American talent in there too so yeah exciting times that's going to link us on really nicely to our guest today which is Madeleine Mepelink we're going to hear from her in just a moment but they're heading out as well so there's a strong European contingent and obviously after all the shuffling around in the German pairs it's going to be really interesting to see who comes out top of the women's German pairs because mm-hmm. there's been so much change and in the Brazilian men's as well let's move on to some indoor volleyball Matt Anderson has gone to Medena that means in principle he's linking up with Mika Christensen sorry uh, Maxwell Holtz so for me that's some really good work from the American team to stay close together before Tokyo 2020 um, Matt Anderson has won five Champions Leagues with um, Zen at St. Petersburg so that love affair is coming to an end Which, but it's going to be great for them to play together before the Olympics and obviously have like a strong USA connection yeah um, exciting news I mean I, I don't follow um, indoor volleyball that much and you know even I'd heard about this one so it's, it's clearly a big move um, what, what kind of impact do you think that might have on the team? How, how much do you think one person transferring could affect um, the team's chances? It, it's really interesting. Um, he's going to go as a left side, so let, let's see how he... He says he's playing left side for Medena. He's been playing right side for... Um, so he's been playing left side for Zenit as well, but right side for the USA. Yeah. But it will just help towards the Olympics, having like John Sproul, I'm sure, will be very happy as the American coach that they'll be playing together. Mm. The link between the setter and your star point scorer is going to be key. So Christensen and, and Anderson, they're, mm. they're going to rely on each other heavily. So a whole season of playing together is going to be huge. And if you're watching the indoor stuff, it'll be interesting to keep an eye on who goes to China because the Chinese season ends late February. So some players who might struggle with injuries might go to China for the year next year to make mm. sure they have some rest or they go to national team training early. And just watch out for all these, maybe not strange transfers, but slightly different transfers because people will start to have an eye on what's happening post um, post league season to the to up in the lead up to Tokyo and you have for example uh, this year uh, sorry John but just keep an eye on the transfers it's going to be an interesting time now we hit the end of the season and there's going to be a merry-go-round as normal but remember the CV Champions League is coming to Berlin for the Super League finals the first of its kind and that's going to be happening over that weekend of the 18th, 19th of May. You don't want to miss it. You want to catch it on Eurovolley TV. You want to make sure that you are trying to get tickets. Tickets are selling very, very quick. Time to meet our guest, Madeleine Mepelink. What a star. She's not only a European champion twice, including last year, but she is just a great ambassador for the sport. She's pioneering and she's now the, let's get this right, the IBVPA leader. So that means that she's sticking up for the players' rights in world volleyball. So this is the interview with Madeline Mepelink. Please enjoy it. It's another great one from Freeball, the volleyball podcast. Thank you so much for coming on to Freeball, the volleyball podcast. Madeline, it's a pleasure to have you. Um, How are you doing? Good. I'm good. Excited for the season to start. (laughs) It must be quite crazy, right? It's been crazy for me. I did quite a lot of broadcasting for the FIVB, but it seems like a long time ago that The Hague... Um, the four star happened, so it's been a been a long pause in competition phase for you, I guess. So it must have been quite tough. Yeah, well, like I love competition, so I rather play. But yeah, it's good to have some months training, so you can really work a long period of physical and uh, those parts. That sometimes when you have a lot of tournaments, you don't have the time for that. So yeah, it, it, you have to get used to it, but being home is also not bad. So. <laughs> 
yeah. it's a it's a balance, but I'm very, very excited about the season starting again. Especially with oh. the calendar now, the calendar's relentless, isn't it? Like it, it, there's no there's no real yeah, room for this. Yeah, yeah. Now, now now there's no buzz. So we were like, okay, the time we have it up, we enjoy it. Now it's just play, 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 play. That's really cool. And how's how's the off season been for you? You've been, but well, looks you've been traveling a little bit, and you've been based in the Hague, so you've got some sort of very training sort of regimes going on. Has it has it been fun? Have you have you got some good work done? Yeah, of course, it's always fun. Like, uh, yeah, we have great facilities here in the Hague, so uh, luckily for us, we don't need to that much to get to good uh, facilities. We have good teams to train with, and uh, yeah, we went to tra- two training camps. Uh, we went three once and we just come back from uh, Spain in uh, Gandia. We trained for uh, one week with some uh, with the German teams and yeah, really good and it's good preparation. But yeah, it's always excited to start the season again because then you can really see like how much effect does Dieter have. Yeah, it's sort of you can see how yeah how all that hard work on the training court sort of progressed when you when you get out to China in Charmin. That's that's great. How was uh, yes, sure. Handy last week? Who, who were you training with? Did you say the Germans? Yeah, we trained with, uh, well, the new team, Borger Süde. We trained with Carla and Julie. And we trained with uh, Beren Stielmann. So, uh, yeah, and, uh, and the other Dutch team, Cinema uh, Bloom, where we always train with our training partners. Yeah, it was good. Quite windy. So, uh, yeah, as Dutch as we know to how to win, but this was really windy sometimes. But we had a week of preparation. There were a lot of uh, guys teams as well, like the Norwegian guys were there, Dutch, Russians, Poland. Yeah, it was a big group of um, players out there to prepare, have a final preparation for China. So it was really nice. Yeah, and Charmen actually can get quite windy as well. So maybe it's quite good preparation to get out in the wind in Spain. Um, it's quite quite a windy place when I've been, I've been there a few times. I'm actually coming out this time as well. Um, but every time uh, I've been, it seems yeah, windy. yeah. You never know in China what kind of weather you get. You know for sure it's going to be cloudy, but uh, yeah, <laughs> the yeah. Rest we don't know. Yeah, for sure it's going to be a bit smoggy. Uh, that's yeah. that's awesome. Um, how did you? Uh, obviously, there's been quite a massive change around in um, German beach volleyball as well. So it must have been an interesting dynamic to train with the Germans after so much of a turnaround with the pairings and everything like that. Yeah, for sure it was interesting. Yeah, they're new team, so you need to get to know them, and of course, Carla. We both as players really well, but if you join them together, you never know how it will go. The 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 yeah the pair how they and how they see their game, and so it was good to have a look into that and uh, that we are a bit prepared in case we will play them in Shaman. Yeah, awesome. And now you're you're back in back at Zuda Park for what a week or so before Shaman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're back in uh, Zuid Park, and it's uh, yeah, it's really good. It's good weather here, so we can train outside. So, final preparation, and then we're off to China. It's good weather. I'm coaching in London. It's freezing. You're not that far away. I know. <laughs> yeah, it's a. Uh, oh, it's like it, it's between fifteen and twenty degrees. So for us, it's uh, warm enough. Really? Yeah, it, dep- it depends how you define good, good weather, but. Yeah, I, I think it's. is pretty good. <laughs> I, th- I think it's about ten here. It's absolutely freezing. I have a session in a minute, and I'm. Uh, yeah, it's, oh, it's, yeah, it's still still pretty cold. Um, that, yeah, that's cold. <laughs> that's really cool. So last season, sort of define last season for you, because I last season must have been amazing. Like so many highs, a good result, obviously European champion again, which 
in The Hague, which must have been amazing for you. Yeah, the European Championship highlight of Plassi. In front of your home crowd, everyone and the family, your friends, they all watching. And yeah, we battled it through. It weren't easy games. It wasn't always pretty, but we battled to the championship. And that was really nice. And also for me and Sana to confirm, like, have a little bit of confirmation that our partnership. So, of course, we knew after that tournament, we still have a lot of work. And every day we need to progress to get better and to achieve the goal. I want to achieve but it was really nice last season to yeah we came from we started the season in qualification and we worked our way up to the main row again and it's interesting to start um, yeah to see our during the season and we always want to get better 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 but if you look back I think we can be proud what we achieved last season and hopefully a winter of hard work uh, will help us this season yeah, for sure. And you, um, obviously, that was the second time you've won a European Championship. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. And it was the second time for Sunner as well, but obviously the first time together. Uh, was that that was yeah, your first yeah, season so, together as well? Yeah, it was our first season. Anna made her comeback after she got beautiful twins. So, uh, yeah, it was last season we really had to build up and get physically strong and uh, so that's also a main focus for us uh, uh, this winter was getting stronger able to compete through the whole yeah calendar that's ahead of us and it's going to be tough on our bodies and so we we prepared uh, i think pretty well for that that's that's really cool uh and you, you backed up the european championships with a good result in vienna i think as well did you get was it a podium you got final four yeah we got the bra- there yeah it was really nice so it was like extra confirmation like okay you do good in one tournament but can you do good in more tournaments that's always the case yeah. and i think it was really nice to back it up straight away with another medal so we knew that our level was good enough play get podium places uh in the world tour and if you look now also to the listing shaman it's crazy at every team and go like whoa that's a good team it's, good team. And it's like if qualification crazy it's uh the level over the years it progressed so much that you cannot say who is going to win the tournament everybody on the list can win the tournament and that's crazy how good the level has grown over the last few years yeah it makes it really i I followed it for a long long time and i just think now with obviously usa brazil in the past used to dominate a fair amount but now sports science and full-time programs and it's created quite a level playing field, I think, for for everyone, and it's exciting. It's exciting to see where it goes this year. I'm, yeah, it's so open as you say. Um, who it must have given you at coming back to that Vienna sort of performance must have given you quite a lot of confidence coming off the back of the European Championships to then at, at a World Tour event. Obviously, that's now Brazil, America. Canada, who are all flying, Australia as well, who have got good teams. And I'd say that, I, I don't know if you agree, but I'd say that potentially in the women's game, it's uh, in the men's, Europe is sort of dominating, and in the women's, Canada, Australia, Brazil are still very much big factors within that. That was a bit of a shit question. Sorry, it's bad true. Question, like, but... No, 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 <laughs> no you're, you're correct. Like, Canada teams are doing really well. Like, they both been uh, on that season so they're really tough teams and 
Uh, um, well, in America, there have been a lot of changes again in partnerships, so it's interesting to see how uh, how they progress. But they have a couple of teams that can really perform, and I think I think you see in Canada, you see the progression of having a good program for the athletes, and um, it all got way more time over the years and yeah brazil is always strong especially with uh, all the women coming back so yeah, as europe we uh, we have a tough job to do i think there are uh, there we as i remember when i started playing it was like crazy when one european team got a medal like we were all excited like woo, europe got a medal and that one of the tournaments and now i think Almost every podium, there is a European team. So over the years, we pro- progress for sure as Europe, but we are not dominating the guys yet. Yeah, well, why do you, like, that's a really interesting point. Why do you think that is? Like, what, what do you think is the yeah, defining factor of U- Europe becoming more successful? I think overall that the programs got more serious, like more players. Mm-hmm. For us, it's like every European player started from uh, started indoor. That it's in most of the and I think uh, people start change, going earlier to the beach. And in Brazil, yeah, you grow up on the beach, so it's it's they know the game. And with beach volleyball, you see it's an experience sport. It's like you like we're playing chess against each other. Like I make this move, you make this move, and uh, you have so many situations who are um, you have been in before, and the second time you recognized earlier, the third time even earlier, and the fourth time you yep. can actually cheat in the game. So it's really an experienced game, and I think now Europe is catching up with those uh, uh, that experience. Yeah, I I agree. That's a that's a really nice way of way of putting it, like the chess and let's start from that. Outside, I, I would say that the, the amount of stuff that Europeans do off the court, I, I think, is potentially more than the Brazilians and potentially the Americans as well. The Maybe, but maybe you're probably in a better place to comment on that. I, I, I don't know. I, I think uh, in Europe we have full-time programs. Of course, we have American coach Angie Akers. And actually, I will compare it to what she tells us. Like, we make way more hours on the court, like... Uh, the tech with the ball practices and um but on the other hand the americans have that for a long time all those hours in the system so in some way we needed to catch up with that and uh yeah of course we have maybe have more uh just to uh like like uh, jump sensors like uh, all the science behind it so yeah it's hard to compare because nobody really shows like what they all will do often and mm. every still a bit like okay i prepare the best i think i can prepare and it's for every team it's different in that way yeah for sure that's really interesting jump sensors wise I, I find fascinating sort of uh just monitoring how many jumps you're putting in a session and how that translates into how you perform in a game is that correct sort of you're monitoring the coaches and monitoring how much you're jumping in a session by using those those bits of equipment yeah, and for us it's also to uh, for uh, preventing injuries. So we really build up because knee injuries, tendon problem, jumpers' knees are really common problem amongst athletes, and we really know that from uh, uh, yeah from studies and our medical team. They also explain to us that it's very important to keep the load on the tendons and also progress it towards tournament. So we're really cautious about like 
how many jumps are we probably going to make in a tournament? Okay, we need to have in the weeks following up to that, we need to have that amount of jumps going on. So we're really, it's also preventing of injuries. Yeah, that's that's fascinating. Like, And that would have, it just shows again how far the sport's coming in a, in a professional basis as well, every every year or every season. It's, it's incredible. Um, I have a few questions for you. So the, how did you get, like people I've seen listening to this podcast love the uh, sort of nostalgic sort of side of how did you start playing and how did you sort of fall in love with the game yourself? Uh, I started indoor at eight years, like uh, when I was a kid, like my dad played, my mom played, my sister played. So I went to, I went to play as well. And um, I actually played for till I was 14 was the first time I started playing beach volleyball and it was just for fun. And, but I, well, I progressed and, and there were, um, I got into the national selection system, uh, like, like, yeah, like they, they selected me to be in the national, uh, youth team, but I always had the girls in front of me that were more skilled, more experienced. They, I, I'm never the play. I never been the player that was like, you give me a ball and I can do like, like all the tricks and everything. I need hours. I need hours. I need to go over stuff and. Um, I'm physically strong. That's an advantage I always had, and uh, um, so I, I I made my hours. I really put in hours and hard work, and putting more hours than the others, and keep going, keep going, and uh, that made me, I think, to uh, place where I'm uh, where I'm at. But for me, it wasn't like easy or like oh, it's so fun. I had to really work my ass off to get to the level I'm at now. Yeah, commitment to the cause as opposed to, to, to loving everything. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved it. I loved it as well. I, for me, I played indoor one year in Germany and I was like, I'm sitting six hours to Berlin. I get smashed three zero and I was benched. So I don't like to be benched. <laughs> like I want to play. I want to have an influence on, on if I either win the game or not. And I was like, with beach volleyball, you always play. So I was like, that's what I, and I just, I really, like I said, I like the uh, mental part, the mental toughness you need to have with football. If you don't have a good day, you still need to make it a good day free and otherwise you lose. So it's a really challenges, quick challenges. You put in a lot of pressure, but then when you achieve goals, like winning a championship or you achieve your goal of that tournament, it's extra rewarding. And I just really that and I was always indoor I had too much fight with my coaching so <laughs> yeah, that's, it's, I was like yeah on beach I have a coach during the game so let's pick that one <laughs> it's, it's fascinating I, I love I, I actually I coach both but now I'm, I'm working more in broadcasting lots of different sports but I love changing in between both because the dynamic of both sports is so different and that means the way I have to coach it is also different different quite a lot but was there any obviously the, the women's team um indoors are also quite successful um they're doing doing great work was there ever the temptation to or conversation to move back to indoor or have you ever been tempted um yeah well after the london olympics i got kind of a request if i wasn't interested to go indoors and i was like i just went to the olympics why the, <laughs> why would i want to move back yeah for sure you can see <laughs> it really me, clearly yeah yeah, I was, 
I played with actually I, I started off playing beach volleyball with the indoor setter Laura Dijkema of the yeah. national team. So we were partners for like three years when we were young, and uh, it, it was a lot of fun. But she loved indoor and uh, I loved beach. For me, it was never a temptation to go back. Yeah, uh, they're two different sports. It uh, like yeah, okay, the technical stuff is the same, but the way you approach the team wise, the yeah, I like the individualness of beach volleyball. Yeah, that's that's really interesting how how that would differ from person to person as well. You were talking about how um, some of the the psychological challenges for playing beach volleyball um, throughout a season or throughout a game, obviously siding out or, or block defence phase. Can you explain some of those like psychological challenges and what have has been maybe specific to yourself throughout the throughout your career? Obviously, still a long way to go in your career, so you, there's still obviously a lot of learning to be had as well. Yeah, like I said, it's like a lot of situations that you start recognizing them earlier, like you start reading the game better um, with the current technical stuff. Uh, like we all with our scouting, we know the lines of the opponent and when it, when are they going to hit the ball and wh- what's a pressure situation. And for myself as well, like, of course, if you have a... If a set point, you're more aware of that. That's a set point, and you you want, just want to play it as the first point. But there's still some certain pressure of uh, finishing the game or finishing the sets. And uh, what if you shank two balls? Like, how well are you gonna? Can you really let go uh, those shanks, or they're still in your mind? still busy with that and maybe that's affecting the next point so you like ideally you want to play point by point being focused on your task like what do you need to do in that moment but there's so many distractions like it's the nerves it's the vibe of the crowd it's like is there something happening does the ref make a bet are you gonna get upset with it or you're gonna let it go and accept it so it's a lot of acceptance I think the more experience you get, the easier you can let go of things and just play your game where you should be focused on. Yeah, and it, just a bit, a bit calmer. It sounds like you just yeah become a bit calmer in your own head and a bit more uh, focused on the right things instead of just gradually getting focused on the wrong things as well. Yeah, I think that's for sure. That I, for me, it really feels bad yeah. that you know where your focus can be your control is and you it not can go always the way you want and you try you're constantly problem solving during the game and i think you get better at the problem solving and you know which problems you should be taking on and which problems you should let go yeah that's, go and accept that's amazing it's nice like it's nice yeah because when i watch you play I've, I've done quite a few comms on the like definitely look completely in control and you definitely look like i can look at your skype photo now and it's you turning around uh celebrating and it's it's a it's a great photo um but yeah that's sort of how i would picture you every time you play to be honest having seen you play quite a lot so it's 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 nice to hear that it's obviously not always always like that has there been any times in your career that you've you've sort of come through adversity like whether it's injury or whether it's sort of maybe mental or physical burnout that you you feel like you've had to dig deep to continue um i i i'm very lucky that i didn't have major injuries like uh so that, that that's a part where i'm very lucky with for me the rio olympics was a very big thing like 
we set out goals and in the last game I really blacked out. So I didn't know how to score a ball anymore. I didn't know how to put the ball on the ground. And I really, I, I was completely shaking. And um, so that was a really big thing for me. Uh, with uh, when with my current partner, Marleen van Eersel, around that time, we, um, yeah, we set out goals and we, uh, it was a tough game and we were really close to it. And yeah, that was a big bummer for me that I did, couldn't be at my best. Like you never know the outcome you don't know if you win or not you cannot control that part but you want to play always your best i always want to be the best and if the opponent is better that day i can accept that but that last game in the rio olympics i wasn't my best self and that really i needed some time to recover from that but i yeah for me i love the game i love being an athlete i i like the challenges that are there it's far from easy always but yeah the that i can do sports every day and that's my job it makes me very happy yeah it's really interesting what what you're saying about the the olympics but you still obviously have tokyo coming up as well the previous two olympics was it the round of 16 that you've you've made both times yeah uh, both times we got the ninth place yeah the ninth it's um but again, like what you were saying before about it, it takes time, right, to to be able to play in situations and Tokyo's coming. So it, it, it's probably the a great time, Tokyo, coming for you. Yeah, it's a, it's like, yeah, I really feel and I'm very happy with my current partnership with Sonic Kaiser. We have a good connection on the court. We're both really different people, but the way we work towards it and the way we see the game, it's very similar. And that makes it uh, very comfortable and uh, very nice to work with her. Yeah, that's that's really cool. But you you find that obviously having played two Olympics before that coming into Tokyo, you you'll feel really experienced and really it'll maybe feel like super comfortable for you going to Tokyo as well, and therefore the the, the chance of getting a result will increase. Yeah, in some way, yes, but it's still a special tournament. Like you mm. you work hard for it. You uh, yeah, you your whole program is leading up to it. You have big dreams there. It's still special. Like, yeah, I do more comfortable. I know what's coming, what to expect. And in London, the first game, I was really like, wow, what is it? I was flabbergasted by the crowd. It was such an amazing crowd. I got goosebumps everywhere when I first entered the stadium. So that first game, I was completely lost. And I did, like, for Rio, I already knew what to prepare. And the shame is that you don't get the same excitement, but you're way playing your game way way better so yeah it will help but tokyo it's still going to be special it's still going to be so different than rio or london because yeah already with the heat it's going to be probably a crazy battle with only that so yeah it's going to be for, for sure in, in olympics yes yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating you talk you talk about the london olympics that must have been so special walking out for your first game um yeah it's a shame that london don't don't host more events because i think it i think it would be very popular here yeah, for sure. It was so popular. So we're always like, why are we not playing in London? <laughs> yeah, I can I can it tell you a few a reasons. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I know a few reasons yeah. why. But it, uh, you never know. One day, one day, maybe. Um, yeah. who, who do you feel that like this season? What 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 um, competitions are you looking at, at, at hitting? How does your season look like from the outside looking in? And sort of what sort of events this year? Obviously, Hamburg's uh, coming up. Um, Stade, are those the events that you're looking at, at peaking for um, 
yeah, and obviously why, if, if not, what, what sort of deadlines are you looking at for your periodization? Yeah, for sure, the World Championship, it's the biggest tournament of the year. Uh, it's, a, it's a big tournament and it's everyone always talks about the Olympics, but being uh, doing a good job at the World Championship, it's it's also a thing and it's uh, probably even a strong maybe tournament than the Olympics. So if you win or you get a really good result there, that, that's something big. So for sure, that's a big tournament where we will lead up to high stars are there we are well for and in september there will be an olympic qualification tournament and we hope to qualify for that one as well and uh, of course that's a big tournament as well it would be so already so good if you can already qualify yourself in this year uh, for the olympics yeah you've, you've obviously got that chance and then which you would be hoping to qualify and then you uh, you're hosting the continental cup finals as well is that that's correct yeah, that's correct. They will Netherlands, although our goal is not to be in those. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, <laughs> because yeah, yeah, we want sure. to qualify before. For sure. uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's very nice that the Netherlands has opportunity to host that event, and I qualified for London for the Continental Cup final. So if yeah, case, I hope not. We 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 I will qualify on a different way, but then at least know we have a last chance to qualify. Yeah, for sure. And it's, it's just when um, I'm obviously looking at it, like I just see that your, your federation are doing quite a lot to, to try and back you in and, and help as many teams as possible and in as many ways as they can, which is which is always awesome to see as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm very lucky with the federation program we have here in the Netherlands. They gave us really good resp- uh, support. They have facilities. And I, yeah, I... I yeah, I'm very happy with the program they for us. Yeah, they're incredible, like hosting, obviously, Continental Cup, but also now they're hosting indoor stuff as well. And, it, it, yeah, they're, they're just, from the outside looking in, obviously, it, it just looks like that the, the Netherlands are on a real good um, pathway to being really successful on multiple platforms, which is which is great. Um, another couple of questions. Um, what do you feel uh, is important to obviously become successful in beach volleyball um and how do you feel like what specific things have you improved on throughout the last few years that you could share with people that you're happy to share with people that makes you successful and makes you the obviously the champion that you are oh that's a tough question <laughs> uh, well first of all you need to love love the game love to work out there's many hours you spend also in the gym and doing physical stuff especially in beach volleyball it's such a physical game as well uh, uh, at least over the have got more and more physical, uh, I think, also on the women's side. And, um, yeah, I think, like, it helps to um, be technically good, but I, I don't believe that there's one perfect technical part that's that, that you have to. In the Netherlands, we're really big on hand-setting. Every one of us are hand-setters, and that helps our game playing. Like, we can play a really quick game, so with my partner son as well, we play pretty quick. We're running lower sets, so we speed up the game in our side out. And uh, but I think mostly is understanding the game will help a lot for people playing it. Like understanding uh, how do I, um, uh, what's technically smart? Do I actually play with wind? Like um, if you have the wind in your back, it's yeah then. 
you know that the net, uh, the ball will be tempted to blow easier over the net, and if the width is in the front, like you have to push the ball harder. All the, that knowledge is very essential to play a good level of beach volleyball. Yeah, it takes a long time to uh, yeah. In in the fairness, in in the UK, we say like a uh, older head on young shoulders, because you have to learn so much to have yeah. that have that maturity. That's really cool. I like what you you were saying about hand setting. Um, obviously, watching you guys play, I see that you run like a uh, so many different sets and hit different speeds and angles, and that really is, in my opinion, as well, where the game is is going, and it makes it really exciting. And hand setting is the uh, is the pinnacle to be able to run those different tempo sets as well. Um, for a lot of people who listen, actually, they, they they love to hear about what what makes a good hand setter. Have you got any tips on that? Um, yeah, of course. Like we hold a bit uh, the ball a bit longer in our hands. Uh, for me, it's a lot about footwork. Like it, it's the placement of the ball. If you're um, if the ball you if you're closer to the net, you can put have the ball a little bit more on your head. But if you're further off the need to be able to put your whole body and everybody always thinks that volleyball like oh we do it with our arms right because we're touching the ball with our arms but your lacking legs and footwork they actually do the most part your footwork and you're not strong in legs and you don't push out with your legs your arms are just a flop like uh, with a handset like you of course you make the nice um, the triangle with your thumbs and your uh, pointing fingers and then you just like, but your legs do all, all the works. I'm always very focused on my footwork. Do is the placement of the ball correct, and then the rest of the movement just happens. Yeah, for yeah, for sure. That's really, really awesome. And then you you have the you have the different sets to obviously open up different angles of the court. Uh, also to work the blocker. Um, running varied sets just because you feel like the game is getting more physical, and you have to try and work the blocker a little bit more. Yeah, for sure. Uh, especially if you have a tall blocker, it's good if to move them around. And yeah, we want to have uh, different options for our... our uh, we w- we want to decide where we attack on the net. And of course, a stable pass is very important for that. But because we work really hard on our setting, uh, we're able to set from a big jump uh, part of the court, still the same set on the location of the net where we want to run it. And that enables us to uh, hit a lot of uh, different variety in balls. Yeah, I love it too. In my coaching, I'm coaching lots of different variations. Just, I feel like you just need something different to beat every team, right? Strengths and weaknesses, and yeah, it takes something different to beat everyone. So the the more tools you have in your armory, the better it is. Is my my feeling on it? But... Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. I think if, if the more, of course, you need to look at your own strengths. Like I really believe in like make your own strengths uh, better, and then the parts where you maybe not that's good in will also get a little bit better. But uh, yeah, the more you have, it will definitely help. Yeah. Who do you feel is like? Who do you play against? Who you enjoy playing against? Um, and what sort of player or what teams do you really get frustrated playing against? Is there anyone in particular that springs to mind when you're like, shit, I've got to play against these guys? Uh, That's a tough question, sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a tough question. It's like, yeah, like there's so many good teams out there. Um, I, I, yeah, I have more, like, I think uh, Brandy and Heather are so good at the moment. 
and then Brandy is so up so high with her blocking, so it makes it really tough for attacker. So yeah, it's not a team that I'm very excited to uh, play against. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Their teams. Yeah, I think it's all the good teams in the world. They give you challenge, but I also like the challenge. So yeah, maybe you lose because they're better that they. It's a good challenge to figure out, and the more you play, the better you get at their game to yeah. read them and that stuff. So, I I don't really work with like prefaces, not like I I don't really like to look at the draw and go like oh we have a strong draw. Every draw is a draw. Like it's still have to perform the task and then see the outcome. Yeah, I like that. Like everything is a challenge. Is really um, it's nice to listen to because obviously like the the growth mindset is still quite a big thing and the the whole sort of seeing it as a challenge instead of a threat just means that you're going to play a hell of a lot better if you see everything as a challenge which is which is really interesting to hear that's that's really cool um what are your your aims uh your aspirations left sort of in your career would it to be medal in the olympics olympic gold is that is that what you see as your your dream coming forward yeah Tokyo is there and uh, Son and I want to play for the medals so that's for sure a big dream we have and we want to achieve and yeah I, of course everyone dreams of the medals and the gold and but mainly for me the big thing why I love playing is the, like uh, like developing myself and growing like I love to learn new stuff I'm always outside the muscle bit with learning new stuff doing other stuff and I love to grow person and getting the best out of myself and I like I I really um, believe that it can be medals uh, in the big tournaments like world championship olympic games but I mostly want to be the best uh, player I can be and that's my biggest goal and the best player that I can be it would also be performing a moment you want for him. that's as at least we really work on so yeah med- at the Olympics is definitely one of the dreams I want to achieve. That's fascinating. But you're, you're, you're focusing on the growth and the process and then as a product of that, hoping that obviously, that, or not hoping, but there's a there's much more chance that the outcome will come of a part of that. Yeah, definitely. That's, uh, yeah, for me, it's not only the big tournaments. We have so many tournaments. I'm traveling the whole world. It's also about the journey. Yeah, it's a bit maybe uh, a cliche thing to say, but... Uh, I'm also enjoying enjoying the journey towards all everything and every moment, every game you play. Uh, it sometimes, of course, you don't enjoy it because you suck. But on the other hand, you can learn from it, and the next time you do it better. And that's really enjoying. Uh, I enjoy those moments for me. Yeah, that that's me, and I think that's um, I think that's really great advice for any players who are listening as well. Like enjoying the journey, and not if you become too uh, outcome focused at times, I guess it. It adds a lot of stress and tension to your to your team or to your own personal playing. So I, I think it's yeah, I think that's really great advice. That that's really cool. Um, Tortoise, finally, the last thing I've got here is uh, you've was it yourself that created the um, <laughs> it's my dyslexia coming through the I IBVPA. Yeah, well, you said it right. Yes. Well, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, in. Uh... 2017, we, uh, yeah, there were some struggles with the calendar. It's always after, after the Olympics, we have a little uh, 
dip in the whole beach football calendar and as players we were really uh, we felt directed by the FIVB instead of working together with our sport and we weren't really contributing we just having the consequences of other people deciding actually about our so uh, at one moment Carrie Walsh she sent a letter to the FIVB and uh, she responded somewhere that she didn't get an answer and I was like okay if that they are answering to uh, an Olympic gold medalist, who are they going to answer to? Like, if a that doesn't have any friends, we need to start uniting. And I just sent, randomly sent out an email to um, uh, some players that I thought might be interested. And Anouk Ferré-Dupré was the one that responded. And with her, I started the whole process of developing uh, the IBF. Yeah, yeah, I'm very proud that uh, both of us together, we achieved really founding it and we have a board now with uh, yeah a lot of great players in it and go step by step and we just really want to unite all players in the world uh, of beach volleyball to help to grow our sport because our sport is great, it has so much potential, but so much of this time, it goes quick, there's entertainment, everybody loves our sport but there is still a lot of challenges ahead in the organizational wise to keep growing our sport and make the, a stronger fundament because it's not consistent and that's the main thing that we're running into overall that there's no consistency on a lot of levels in the organizational stuff and and that makes it hard to have a consistent stable calendar stable cities and and that's one thing that we really need to work to. And I'm very proud that uh, with the players involved, we worked re- very hard and we're still working hard on it. And it's all voluntary work. So it goes very slowly next to our job. Yeah. And it's also interesting to see um, yeah, how the pro- progress does actually work outside the game. As athletes, we're used to like, I hit a ball, it's in, out, I have a point. It's, it's, it's you have the direct result, and we're now in, normal life says and we need to wait three months for answers on requests we make and then we're like how can this take three months but yeah uh, it's a very interesting learning uh, process where we be into our main goal is now to get more members like uh, we have uh, like 120 members at the moment but really want to be able in the future to res- represent mem- uh, people beach volleyball players of all, all levels like we are there for the one two three four and five star players and at the moment uh unfortunately we're really committed on five star players and uh, or the top level players and of course it's very uh important but we we also help out we also are in contact there for like one star players that have problems they email um, and we have a lovely new website here where everybody can find the information and the, uh, the uh, yeah everything they need to know. And in the future, we really hope to grow to an organization that's independent of uh, of all other stakeholders in the game, like the FIVB, the promoters, the media, and that would be there for the players, but also towards the towards the FIV the media and everyone we can be one unified front so um, we can be strong together and we can help also because we don't want to yeah we really want to grow our sports and 
get a better consistent thing and also for players it's very important because with the calendar now a days like we need the price money for income we spend a lot of money on the traveling we need to travel from brazil to china what's like four or five flights and we really there can be improvements and so far we have a established a good re working relationship with a lot of stakeholders like the FIP we're talking to on a regular basis and already that's uh, we feel that they get information from players better way and we get information from them how long actually play uh, stuff work and how long a process is within the FIFB. it helps a lot of understanding why we're at the current situation so yeah, I hope in the future we can grow more and it's a long process, but uh, I'm very proud of the work we did so far. That's incredible. Well done. I, I think it's pioneering for, for the sport, which is, which is great. Do you feel that the FIVB have been quite open to, to it and quite open to for the players to have a voice? Yeah, for for sure. Yeah, they're, they, they, the value in the issue we actually bring and that's also what we said to them. Like, hey, like we're players stupid <laughs> we're, mm. we also have idea we have insight we can together everybody instead of fighting each other or competing and we put our egos aside and we can actually grow our sports and i think so far that hasn't been uh really often the case um so yeah they i think they see the value and they're very open and of course it's not always easy and we have different opinions about certain subjects yeah uh, at least we listen to each other and i think that's the starting point of uh growing the sport again that's that's awesome from you and also from the, the fivb that they're, they're very open and everything will move in the right direction if there's as you said like your ego what we say your ego is not your amigo and if everyone puts no. it aside then, <laughs> yeah, it, it, then it uh then it all moves on very nicely that's yeah. that's really cool well, that's that's about it. Thank you so much for um, taking time out of your schedule to come on to the show, and it's been really enlightening and really um, educational for for me personally. So hopefully for a lot of other people as well. Uh, so good luck in everything that you're doing. That was super interesting from Madeline Meppelink. Yeah, I mean, um, first of all, uh, what a lady sticking up for all the players. Um, She's doing uh, really great stuff for that. So um, I think as, as a player myself, you, you've got to just thank her for um, sticking up for players' rights. Yeah, she's trying to give them a voice to the FIVB to, to, to put the, well, take the yeah. sport forward. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, wherever you are, whatever association you're playing for, it's really important that um, players kind of you know, help to make the tour um, somewhere where the players feel, feel um, welcome and, and accommodated because, I mean, that... If you have happy players, you have better volleyball, you have yeah, better spectating tour. stuff, you know, and, and everything works better. For sure. And it's nice to hear her talk about some more of the insecurities of performing because she looks like such a strong character from the side. So it's just, yeah, it's great to see them normalised. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's something that everyone will get when they're playing, but a lot of people won't talk about it. So to hear someone who has gone away and done so much, uh, well, so, much so many amazing things, um, to hear her talk about that was was fascinating and, and probably really helpful for a lot of people so um, yeah thanks to her for doing that as well perfect thanks Sam and thanks for coming in and being part of the show I'm sure we'll have you on again yeah, and again absolute pleasure um, so Freeball the Volleyball Podcast another episode somehow we've got to episode 14 please make sure that you subscribe make sure you like make sure you support as much as possible keep passing the pod around your friends because we want volleyball to grow we want this show to grow <laughs> we want everything to grow so Instagram Freeball Pod 
and then on Facebook, Free Ball the Volleyball Podcast. And just keep an eye out. You can get us on iTunes, you can get us on Spotify, where if you're listening to this, you probably already know. But that's episode 14 done. Madeline Mepelink, thank you so much for being on the show, and we will see you again very, very soon.